Welcome in, everybody. It is draft day. Good morning, and uh, we've got a big day ahead. One of the things about uh, draft day is it's a little bit different. It's a long wait to the start of the draft. I'm going to get into what is it like on draft day? What is draft day all about? Um, There was a movie made about it, much like uh, is the case, I think, with, with most scenes. Uh, the movies don't really tell you the true story. It's obviously a lot of hyped that just um, is not accurate. So we're going to have a little fun, though, with talking about what goes on in draft day and, and kind of incorporate maybe what to expect tonight and this weekend with the NFL draft. Um, we are cognizant as part of uh, doing this Landry Football Podcast, part of the Radio Influence Network. Some of you may not listen to this show until maybe after the draft, depending on when you consume it. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on, you know, who's going to be the first pick or whatever and stuff. We have done that ad nauseum. You can find out that de- those details at LandryFootball.com. We're going to focus a lot on the process, what to expect, big overview questions um, uh, that, that are going to uh, come about this weekend. So we're going to have a lot of fun today, as always. We'll take your questions. We'll take your thoughts. Uh, anything you want me to address, we'll certainly incorporate it as best we can into the show. But the history of the draft is something that is intriguing in that it is so popular in today's world. And God bless you that you love it the way you do because it's a big part of um, what we do. And uh, we, it, it's a big reason why you listen to what we do. You know, but the history of the draft has changed over so many years in that it, you go back and think, and I do, and I don't consider myself that old, although I feel it every day. Um, my first draft was 1982 as a part-time scout for Blesto. Blesto is one of the two NFL scouting organizations and. Stood for Bears, Lions, Eagles, Steelers, talent organization. And then it changed to, you know, Blesto 5. And, you know, it just changed from, from um, um, so they didn't change the name. It was Blesto. So anyway, 82, 83 was there for the 83, you know, draft. And most couple of things that most people don't know is that, that obviously the draft in modern history, we saw it last year virtually in people's homes. And um, because of COVID, but most people think about the draft and going to the draft. There's nothing that goes on at the draft. Oh, I don't, I don't mean that. Let me rephrase. A lot of players go to the draft, walk across the stage, get a hat, get a Jersey, hug the commissioner. There are a lot of fans there. There's a lot of media there. There's TV there. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance and, and pageantry associated with it. That part is quote unquote exciting. Nobody who makes a decision on the uh, on the draft is at the draft. You're at back at your facility um, in your draft room. Again, last year was a little different, so we're not talking about that. But, you know, modern technology has allowed it to where you've got your draft board, you've got everybody there, you make your decision, and you got an open phone line. People have asked me, what is the setup in a draft room? Well, the setup has multiple phone lines. Um, You've got one line that's open on a, a speakerphone type thing that you can hear. And so you have two representatives at your table that you assign. It could be your equipment guy. It could be a friend of the owner. It just could be anybody, usually somebody that lived in New York because that's where the draft always was in New York. Now, you know, it could be somebody that you send. But there are two people. has to be at least two, and maybe usually you have – if it's depending on who it is, uh, you have maybe that person's son or somebody. You got to have it. It's a long time to be on a headset, on a phone. You have two people. Got to go to the bathroom. They got to go get something to eat. So somebody has to be at the phone at all times. And so, and they have everything. They have the list from the leak of players that are eligible for the draft with their names alphabetically and, you know, the position, general position, so that they can write it out. But 
when you tell them what you're going to do is you say, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence, they write out, you, know, you spell it for them, you have them repeat it, and you hand in the cord. There's a league representative that picks it up, and you kind of know the drill because you've seen it on TV now. But obviously everything is done inside the team's facility. You have the open phone line to New York, but then you have multiple other phone lines that are operating, landlines that are operating. Now you've got cell phones that you add to the mix, which is interesting, but you, you have multiple landlines. And they're separate phone lines. In addition, you know, so all of us in the league have a Rolodex of, like, direct lines to the, you know, general managers, personal directors, head coaches, this coaches, et cetera, in their offices. But these are separate lines that are established in your draft room that is direct where you just go, you know, and it's set in – well, I guess it's a computer like phone to where you don't have to sit there and dial, you know, 901-635-1542. You just hit, boom, one button, it's Bill Belichick. Boom, one button, Andy Reid. Boom, whatever, you know, and it's it's right there. And it's the phone that's that he's manning, and, and each team's provides that to the central location of the league, and the league disperses it out. So you have that, and then your people, your technology people, type that into where it's like speed dial. So it's like you, you dial your sister, your brother, and it's on speed dial. It's like speed dial through the NFL. So that's to make it easy to deal with um, trade calls. And it's usually GM to GM, head coach to head coach, the relationship. You usually call the person – so even though you know that maybe the GM is going to make the decision, but you're a head coach, you might call the head coach, and you know the head coach may have to run it by the GM, and you know they'll discuss it. But but you usually tend to 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 go um, to go where um, it needs to run through the proper channels to get a trade done. Uh, you have obviously a separate line to the the director of personnel and his assistants, they've got a little bit of a, I don't know, on the DS in New York where anything, you know, trade, sent in, there, there are multiple ways you can do that. Now it's used to be fax. Now it's electronically done. You have somebody that can, that will do that and send it in electronically. But then you usually follow up with a phone call and you get it, you know, you get, all right, yeah, this is what we're doing, verified, yada, yada, yada. It's got to be approved by the league and, you know, all those sorts of things. If you're trading a player on a team, you know, at salary cap ramifications, everything has to be copacetic there. So there's there's a lot of phone lines, and you got your board, and the boards are set up to where you've heard me talk about it. You see it on LandryFootball.com. You've got a Top overall board, the horizontal board. Call it a horizontal board because, first of all, let me talk about the vertical boards. I think vertical boards are easy to understand. They're position boards. Quarterbacks top to bottom. Running backs top to bottom. Fullbacks top to bottom. You know, X receivers, I mean, you just down, okay, how you got them graded and stacked. Horizontal board is how do you grade players across all the positions? So how do you grade the quarterback? to the running back, to the receiver, to the tight end, to the tackle, to the pass rusher, so on and so forth. How do you have them stacked top 150? Here is something that I've mentioned several times. So you will probably know this by now, but for listeners that are maybe new, you will be surprised to know that teams work off their horizontal board. And get this, always tell you, all the draft boards look different, right? 32 different-looking draft boards. Teams will work off of a, I call it a 150 board, no more than 100 players. That's what I think is the misnomer. All these players, this and that. Oh, I hope my team gets that. And that guy that you think they hope they get are not even on their anywhere near guys they would consider. 
because of a scheme fit. Most people don't quite get and understand the scheme fit and all that. We try to do that a lot here, and it's it's a gradual process, and I think fans are getting more and more knowledgeable than ever to understand schematic fits. And, and most of the players that people talk about are the elite players in the draft, and uh, Trevor Lawrence can fit anybody. Kyle Pitts can fit anybody. You have some of those players, but it's when you get to the others – there's a lot of these guys really liked by this team, not so much by this team, and vice versa. So you work off of 150 board. Bill Belichick will work off of 65 to 75 players, for example. Andy Reid, about, you know, 100. Most teams will work that. That's the players that fit them, what they like. And now once you set that up, and you, that's already been done, now your mission. Now your goal, as I said before, how many of those suckers can you get on your team and where do you need to go to get them? Do you move up to get an elite player? Depends on your team. How is your roster? Is a one player going to make more of a difference for one team than another team with a lot of needs? So is the value for you more within a handful of three or four players or do you need five or six? Percentage-wise – a lot of these players will not make a team. They're not all bad picks. If you draft well and develop well and you maintain your roster well, you shouldn't have a whole bunch of players make your team. Your roster should be pretty good, and it should be tough to make your team. You're a bad team, a lot easier to make the roster. Common sense, right? Yeah, but we don't think of it in common sense terms sometimes. Got to do that. So you go in with a board that's a lot smaller than you think. And you've got that board. And that's the one you work off of. And it's kind of a separate board. Some people have it on a separate part of their big board. Some people have it on one of those. You ever seen those boards that you kind of roll in and work off of that? And that's kind of a special board that we kind of work off of. You have somebody that's uh, that's responsible for taking the cards off the board as players get taken. So... You've got, if your draft board's big enough, um, it is, you got the depth chart of every team in the league. And then we have a, a separate area where you've got all the teams, 32, in, in their picks. So, you know, if you sit there and look and you say, um, for example, let me grab it here. If you got Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia's got the 12th, 37th, 70th, 85th, 124, 151, 190, 225, 226, 235, 241. You have all of of that so you can take a look and see. That's Philly's picks. Now, Philly trades any one of those picks in the draft, you you take it out and you adjust where they're picking. So your media can look at any team and say, okay, they got 70, they got 85, they got 124. So when you're talking... You can talk specifics of this is what we want in a trade if we want to do that. And then obviously, as if they use those picks, you put the player, you take the player off the board, and you put them right next to to Philly's team. And that's what I did. We never put the guys on the depth chart yet until after the draft is over. So you've got that. And then we take – because there are two boards, you take the other card and you put it on who's been drafted overall. So one, two, three, four, you know, Jacksonville and the Jets. And, you know, and then and so you can get an easy look at who's come off and then where they're going to. And it's, it's kind of a draft board is really big, so big that if you're sitting on one end, you got to go all the way to the other end to see something a decision maker you like to have everything in front of you so that you can on a call have everything you look for look at it computers have become more set up today the new thing now that you might be interested that's happening is there's electronic boards meaning on the computer you hit it and it flashes up on a big screen right you know a big tv screen and so you don't have to physically put a card and do that. I, 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 that's good. Understand, I still want my 150 board because 
stuff happens to computers, right? You need to have – I need to physically have it. I've got all my scouting reports in the computer, okay? It's the printout here. It's a big printout. You can see that. That's, that's more than a ream of paper. That's a whole lot of guys that you can read about every one of that on LandryFootball.com, by the way, Chief Plug, he said. That's what I like to have the hard copy. I can go in and get it. It's, you know, it's just a, it's a safe measure. I'm old school. I've adjusted to the computers as much as anybody, but I got to have, I got to have my backup. So that's what it's like. And you're all set and you've got all of that. You've done all the work. Now it is about, and we've talked about this all week. You make a lot of preliminary trade calls, trying to move up, trying to see, um, you try to figure out, and, and it, you're not making a call to move up now. You're trying to plant the seed to see who might be interested potentially in moving down. And the calls go like this because you've probably read about it on the Internet this morning. The Vikings are looking to move up to four. The Saints are looking to move up in the top ten. I'm not sure of the validity of that. Okay, the what I can tell you that happens is happens with everybody is um, discussions about what ifs. So does it mean that you're going to absolutely make a deal with the team? No, not necessarily. I mean, it 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 could absolutely just be to try to see. Would you be interested if your guy? is not there, would be. Would you be interested in moving out of your pick? Yes or no? Well, you know, that, that gives you an idea. That gives you an idea of whether that would be something that's doable. And, and no one's going to – it's very unusual that somebody, we are absolutely not moving, don't call us back. No, it doesn't work that way. But you get a feel by touching base with all these teams all week. Who might be willing to move? Who might, I mean, no one's – bothering to call Jacksonville to say, you interested in moving the number one pick? Now, don't get me wrong. If I'm on the phone with Trent Bulk, Urban Meyer this week, you know, because I'm talking about something else, and I may be, you know, talking about something totally unrelated, or I could be talking about, you know, their pick at 25 or their pick at 65, uh, and you might say, hey, you know, you touch base with them on – that, um, and you might joke, because I am a smart ass. I will say, so what's it going to take to get your number one pick type of thing? That's not a real conversation. It's a joke if you know the guy and you, you, you do stuff like that. Uh, but you work your way through all the teams and you get a good feel for it. And you also can get some feelers. You get at least some of the rumors that are put out. And the rumors are really good because it kind of tells you – at least what certain people want. So, you know, do I think the Vikings and the Saints have reached out to Atlanta to see? Um, I would hope so. I would hope that the Falcons have heard from everybody and vice versa because that's kind of what you do. Is there validity to that? Well, the reason why that leaks out is it drums up some – well, you know what? They might be interested – you know, we might ought to move up. I mean, uh, the chances, uh, the Saints moving from 28 into the top 10 is quite a leap and it's going to be quite costly. So the likely, uh, likelihood of that happening, it's not very good. But it floats stuff out there. And you don't know, and you don't know if, you could move up a few spots for the good deal, and now you got a better deal that you can move up. So it's a lot of that. And so the draft room setting is with all the boards, with all the phones. Um, how many people are in the room? Depends. I didn't like a whole lot of people. I didn't like a whole lot of riffraff in there. Um, some people will have the entire scouting staff in there. Some people will have the scouting staff just outside the room that they can be called in at a moment's notice. Same thing with assistant coaches. You could have a, you know, usually, usually 
assistant coaches, position coaches are not in the draft room. Usually they're right outside that they can be called upon. And they're monitoring on TV and what have you. And they can be called in at any moment. And then here's what I do. It's courtesy. You know, I'm uh, getting ready and I'm taking, you know, an offensive tackle at, you know, the fifth spot, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm in there. Okay. And it's a formality. We've discussed it before. All right. So we're going to do. Speak now forever, hold your peace, anything, and then, you know, any any thoughts in the room? No, you know, okay. Go get go get Joe, position coach. All right, look. We're gonna take we're gonna take this guy. No, you're good. And usually it's at that point. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, sure. All right, and then you get the area scout to call the player on the phone. You've got the list of phone numbers. In this day and age you got a million phone numbers, right? You got the cell phone number. You got the backup cell phone number. You got the agent's two cell phone numbers. You got the kid's mom's number, dad's number, girlfriend's number, Aunt Josephine's number. You got all of them because you got to reach them, and the kid's going to obviously answer his phone. But you want to have backups to the backups to the backups. You want to talk to the player. I'm going to draft him to talk to him. I mean, I've already talked to him. I'm not going to interview him. I just want to make sure he's there. I don't mean to be macabre, but I want to make sure that I talk to him and they didn't break his neck coming down the stairs. All right? So you get him on the phone, talk to him, and you usually will say something like, and I usually will do this, depending on the player, depending on the player's personality. If I thought he was a guy that, I mean, I liked him and certainly was not going to take him if I didn't like him, but I but I thought, you know what, this guy could be a little bit better than I've seen him on film, and, and he, you know, he needs to be motivated, and he will be motivated. He's a good kid. But, but usually, you know, even if the kid does all the things right, I'll say something like, you know, and I'll do the good cop, bad cop thing. So, head coach, you'll, you'll kind of welcome and everything. Man, we're happy to have you, yada, you know. But I will get on the phone and I'd say, Okay, I'm getting ready to take you. Am I making a mistake by taking you? Okay, because I'm putting my ass on the line for you right here. Okay, so, I mean, I, I expect you, um, you know, to be the whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. And I'll do that with picks in the second round, all the fourth round. I'll do that, and I'll kind of do a little tough love and tell them, that this is, yeah, this is great. It's exciting. Go back to your, your party cake and all that. But this is a process. I'm getting ready to draft you, and you're getting ready to work for me, and you and I and this coaching staff are going to be part of leading this team into the future. So, I, you know, you tell me right now because I'm going to hold you to it because the first time I have an issue with you, I'm going to say, didn't you tell me on draft day? This is what I could expect. Yeah, I, I do that. And then, you know, I'll have the, the head coach and talk, man, welcome. Glad to have you. Got to grab me. You have the position coach, and, you know, do that. The coordinator get on. All that kind of stuff. Talk to him. And, and you know, and it's all. And I, I'm not I'm not doing what I said to be an ass. I, I, I literally want to make sure that they know, hey, you know, look, I'm not making a mistake, am I? Just want to make sure. And, and even if the guy is just, you know, I mean, even if it's Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, 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 you want to say that. It's a little bit about, you know, I, I want to make a statement and cut through the BS for the moment, the BS of the excitement, and let's realize what it is. So that's kind of the process. And you, you, um, then you go ahead and hand the card in. Then it's announced on TV. But So a lot of this stuff, like I said tonight, if you're listening to the show, we'll take you through some of that as it goes on. But here's something that I think you might be interested in. The drafts of old, common sense, you know that technology is great. You've got Wi-Fi and you got supersonic speed, you know, Internet connection and whatever. And, um, you know, the phone lines. I mean, I still got, you know, fast phone lines and stuff you can do clearer and better than they used to be. In the old days, you didn't have computers. You had just the binders. By the way, we still put reports in binders by position, still do that, but it's all in the computer too. 
Um, one of the things I always did, it's just a little thing. I want to back up a little bit. So I'm getting ready to draft the guy. And I've read the reports. I've taken notes on the reports. I read my report. But I'm getting ready to take the guy. I go back and I'll read the report. Just read it again. Just, I don't know why, because there's not, I mean, it's like I've read it so much that I could almost close my eyes and read it. I just go back and I look over it, look over it. It's just a, it's a thing. So, so people have their own little quirk that they do. But going back into the older days where you, you, you still had the phone line. So we've had phone lines for a long time, you know. Um, but I'm going to take you back to a time where you had phone lines, but back in the, you know, 40s and the 50s and late 30s, the first draft was 1936. And I've got a, over at com. you could read about the history of the draft and some of the great draft stories come out of draft rooms um, of all time. But in the old days, you, first of all, you didn't have as many teams. So you had like maybe 16 teams. And then when this big ballroom, and you didn't have the large staffs, you'd have like um, Wellington Mara, the owner of the Giants, would he'd uh, he'd keep like he'd get like Street and Smith's magazines during the year, and he'd make notes on players, and and he was kind of the his own little scout, and that's what they did. Uh, it was very very unsophisticated then, but <clears throat> the draft was held in a ballroom. It was held with all the teams in it in one place. And so when you wanted to make a trade, you just got up and you went talk to the Eagles on the next table. That's how you did it. It's just it's the way it was done. Um, you had only three or four people. You may have the head coach. There's some form of an executive, a GM type, and maybe the owner, depending on what it is. Um maybe a, a head scout. So you'd have most five people at a table. And again, you had your books and you did all that. But here's the thing that you find um, may find interesting is that so you, you didn't have like the ability to put a bunch of phone lines in at the time. So there was phone, there were landlines. But when you make the pick, you had to go out and you had to use a pay phone in the hall to call the player back then. Now, I wasn't around for that. I'm not that old. may look it and feel it, but I'm not that old. They, um, they would call on the cell phone. So literally what you did, I don't know if people still do this. At the, I don't know what it costs at, at Washeteria today, but you take, you, you take a you know, bunch of quarters. Well, they would, you'd go to the draft with these huge Among Us bag of, I think it was dimes back then. I think it was a dime to make a phone call. And you'd put in another dime. You need more time and all that. You'd just go in and you'd make calls. Um, and that's how the players were, were told. And then there was no – there was an announcement to the rest of the teams who was drafted, and you'd kind of take them. There were no draft boards because obviously you're all in the same room. But you scratch the guy off the list, he's not there. And then how would the player get to know? Well, the, you would call the player on the cell phone. But remember, no cell phone. I mean, you call the player on the, the pay phone. No cell phone. I mean, players didn't have phones in their dorm room. There might be a, a one phone or even a pay phone in the hall in the dorm room. Um, or you might call the, the college coach or the sports information director to say, we just drafted Archie Manning. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things. So um, it was very, very primitive then. Players often didn't know, um, and and the public didn't know who was drafted until other than really the next day um, in the paper when, uh, when that was done. So it's come a long way. The interest is great. You know my feeling on it. I think it's great that the interest is what it is. Uh, there's probably more misinformation now because there's so much information. And it's a lot of putting stuff in and out there that uh, I think it's it's great. I think it's sometimes um, unfortunate, as I always say, the pet peeve of mine is 
I love it when people ask questions. I love it when people are interested. I love it when people want to learn more about players and all. And I get it that you might be disappointed with who your team team picks or you don't like a player or you do like a player that you didn't get. I get it. But understand something. With peace and love, I can tell you that you don't know these players like you think you do. Unless you've uh, scouted and worked in this league for 10 years, you don't know truly how to evaluate players, and you don't know what they're looking for in a player for their particular scheme. And all those things are really important. It does not mean, and you well know this as a fan, that your team's not going to make mistakes, that they haven't made mistakes before and will make them again. Absolutely they will. Okay, but there is a method and there's professionalism, and there's um, a knowledge base of information, the tools to look at all the film and have access to all the information from multiple professionals in your organization, yet they still will make mistakes. Of course they will. You know why? It's human beings evaluating human beings. And you can take the right player, and the player may not pan out. He may not do a good job. He may not be coached well. He may not have as much time to develop. Any million of reasons. He just may not be as good as you think. He may not be as motivated as he was to be great once he gets drafted. There's a lot of reasons. But one of my pet peeves is this team is stupid if they don't do this or that. Based on what? Based on where are you coming up with it, how do you know? And saying, well, you know, I told you, I said we should have drafted that guy and he didn't work out. Uh, guessing and being right is not knowing. It's just like me saying it's going to rain out there today. Well, it might rain. I doesn't mean I know whether it's going to rain or not. I have no technical understanding or knowledge of it. It just may happen. So be patient um, and very often – and most, I should say most often, the success of this weekend's draft is more about what happens from after this weekend than was going up to this weekend. To this weekend is what they've done, how they project the traits. But from here on out, it's about their health. It's about their work ethic. It's about how they're coached, how they're developed. And, yeah, there will be misses, but a lot of times those misses are misusages. I mentioned, you know, I don't know, the Atlanta Falcons taking Andre Bruce number one. Pass rusher at Auburn. Goes to Marion Campbell's defense in Atlanta. Very complex defense to learn. God bless Andre. He could rush the passer. You make him think he was going to struggle. Bad pick. Andre struggled in the league overall. Played a little bit better with the Raiders. The point is, you got to know what you're doing with the player. You got to utilize his strengths. That's really important. Really important. Some people are great on air and radio, but I mean, you think they know how to do the electronic stuff? I mean, you know, just it's a different thing. I mean, it's it's a different thing. You might be able to sell cars, but you don't know how to work on them or vice versa. Understand what a player is, what his traits are, how he fits, how you plan to use them. I told the story yesterday on um, one of my other shows is that when we drafted Javon Curse, one of the things I said, we're not taking him unless we're all in agreement that we're not taking him unless we have the vision and plan of what we're doing, and that is, look, he's going to be rush the passer. He was an inside backer at Florida. We knew based on traits he could be a really good pass rusher. That's what we needed to do. We were a team that was pretty good, rush the passer. Got to learn how to put together some pass rush moves, but forget all the initial drops and playing different positions and moving them around. That comes in time. Put as much on his plate as he's able to handle. But for right now, put a little bite on the plate. If we bring him in, 
and we try to overload him and he doesn't play, somebody's ass is going to get fired during the season. So let's get it out now. This is who we're taking. This is why we're taking them. This is what we're doing once we take them. Have a plan. Have a vision. And yet, most of the mistakes that are made is you take a player, you try to change the player. Well, what made the player great is what made him great use that. Changing him to do something that you want him to do that doesn't really mesh with what his skill set is, is asking for trouble. Now you throw on top of that the world we live in today. It's immediate gratification. The guy doesn't star right away. He's a bum. He can't get it done. It's whatever. And then there's pressure. Got to fire the coordinator. Well, the new coordinator comes in, and he's he's not tied to that player, so he wants to do something different. Now, now that becomes a wasted pick based upon moves that you made after you picked the guy. I'm not saying that you just got to stick with your coaches if they're doing a bad job. Got to make those adjustments as well. But you've got to understand your vision. You've got to be patient. That's why certain teams, and I hate to – I hope to God they learn, but the Jets, the Lions, how many times are we talking about them picking in the top ten? How many years? Why do you think that is? You think they're missing on players? Yeah, they're misevaluating, but they're misusing them. They're mistraining them. They have bad talent around them. They're mi- they're missing a lot of that. Then they change coaches, and they hire make another bad hire, and then they change coaches. The coaches gets the GM fired. The GM then gets the coach fired, and you got new guys. And it's like you wonder if they can even, you know, field a team, much less be successful. There's a reason for it. Continuity. There's something to it. Something that is an important part of the development process. So don't overreact, although I know you will, and have a lot of fun with it. Um, we're going to address a couple of things here. I appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, Kev Belargo says, can you explain players like Patrick Queen from understanding his struggles in coverage? If that's the case, did the Ravens draft him with the 20th overall pick in today's pass-happy league? Well, I don't know that he – I think he actually can play well in coverage. I think depending on – I think he's got the traits to play well in coverage, and they didn't draft him as a bad coverage guy. I think um, – uh, well, you know, their their evaluation of him and what I think he can do, they thought pass coverage is something he can do pretty well. And I think he can he can uh, do a pretty good job. In, in today's league, if you can't cover at linebacker, yeah, you're, you're a two-down player. You probably got a better player on the board at 28. So, yes, if that's, that's the story on him. I don't think it is. I think it's how they use him. Um, you said asking about Waldorf's story. I don't know. The first one was the first draft was in Philadelphia. Maybe it was the Waldorf story. I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I wasn't there, man. I wasn't there. Uh, Rich Scott says, what, uh, which scout in Tennessee and Cleveland you had the hardest time with? Oh, I wouldn't want to get into that. That's, that's not, that wouldn't be fair to him. Um, the, um, um, the 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 guy that probably had the most problem with is is passed away and I definitely don't want to go down there down that path. Uh, Jeff Parrott says, "Do you think the Saints trade up?" Then I probably not. Uh, I think there's first of all, I know they want an impact player, and I think the reason why they're calling up. Remember, rumors they're calling up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. You know, it's like you know. You're asking me, do I think? My initial thought is probably not, but but I really don't know. The the answer to that is where they're trading up to. Well, you know, I it, that that can't be answered right now, Jeff. I mean, I know they've addressed the corner position. They want to address the corner position and trade up for that position. Well, who they're trading up for? Who do they like? Do they like two, three guys? How far do they need to go up? That's the answer to your question. 
Yeah, they lack a corner. Yeah, they need a starting corner. We can go two hours for all the needs that they have. They got a lot of needs. Um, corner is really important. I'm well aware they need a corner. Doesn't mean, I mean, they have been aggressive in the past, but they've been kind of a win-now mode. I, You know, this is they got a lot of needs, and it's time they really start building those needs. Look, if they, at 28, they probably are not going to get the corner that they want. So they may go up and get him at what cost, and it's probably going to cost them at least one player, good player, that could that could start and be real impactful for that team. So, I, I, you know, the answer to your question, could they? Yes, and they might, but how far are they moving up? So if they're moving up from 28 to 18, uh, it's a lot different than moving up from 28 to 11 or 10 or 9 or something like that. That's costing a lot more, and that's getting a different level player. The, the I, I'm not going to be able to answer the, is so-and-so going to trade up tonight? That is something, tune in tonight, because then, then we've got the players coming off the board. Then it makes more sense to say, okay, this makes some sense. Right now, I don't know. They may like a certain corner. And that guy may be gone way before they're even you have a chance to move up. So I, I don't know. It's a it's a great question, but it's an unanswerable one. The the reason why it's out there is because they're doing their homework like everybody else, trying to see if they can move up. If the their guy is there, and the team that they're moving up to, their guy is not there. So that's that's part of it. That's uh, part of just normal business. And a lot of people like to throw stuff out there. And and, and I, what I mean, I'm not talking media, as teams do, is that it it's expresses to everyone, hey, with the Saints, we might be interested in moving up. So anybody that hadn't hadn't really talked with a lot, it, it puts the news out there that they may be buyers in the trade market. So give us a call if you have an interest in doing business. So it just further emphasizes maybe individual phone calls that they've made. So I wouldn't I wouldn't read that as a definite that they're going to do it because, A, they can only control half of it. They want to move up to a spot. They have to get somebody that wants to move up. Could very well happen. But there's a, you know, there's a very good chance that they would want it to happen and couldn't get it done. I've told you many stories about, you know, trying to move up and couldn't get it done. You can't bring a gun to the negotiations. They, you got to have somebody that wants to trade with you. So yeah, I, I history, um, is that they like to do that. They will target guys. That is kind of the new way. I got guys. I'm targeting. I'm going up to get them. Uh, I think you have to. You have to be smart about that. You really like a guy. You think it's a. You put somebody opposite Lattimore. It can help you there. It. It. it it's a big part of your defense. If you like. Pat Sertain or Caleb Forley or whoever it is they like. Yeah, they could go up there and get him. It's possible. Likely? I say no because there's a lot of things that need to fall into place. I'm not saying no because they wouldn't be interested or it couldn't, you know, couldn't happen. Uh, appreciate uh, M.A. Wartman or Ma Wartman. I'm not quite sure how you do it. Joining us, he um, – Subscribe today, and we really appreciate you um, you going on. I see uh, your buddy Don Collins, uh, uh, the Twitch guy that is responsible uh, for us being on here. We really appreciate it. It's Christmas Day. Yeah, it is Christmas Day for scouts. Um, Tony says, can you uh, – LSU Talk says, got my game face on. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, – we're ready to go. Um Tony says, can you see a scenario where Patrick Sertan or Asante Samuel are available at 26? Samuel, yes. Sertan, no. Uh, Jig's dad, it was great hearing you on SNY talking about the key sketch. Appreciate it. Appreciate it a whole bunch. Um, we um going to get into that. And, and Rich, I, I asking about a couple of coaches. We'll, we'll get to some of like assessing coaches. We want to kind of focus on the draft now today. Uh, but, you know, both of those guys are were good coaches. But um, the process uh, with leading into draft day, 
again, is all about the meetings. It's all about a year of scouting, a couple of years of scouting, and looking at these players. What is probably also misunderstood is just the importance of the second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. Those things are really, really integral uh, to the success of your draft. There's no question that the first round gets the hype, and rightly so. Uh, If you're going to make a decision and get your future quarterback, if the Jets finally get it right, or Jacksonville gets it right, the Niners get it right, or wrong, it's going to affect their franchise tremendously. And it may have an impact on whether you keep your job or not as a head coach or a GM. But in the importance of the quarterback, we've talked about the importance of the position, how they're overvalued, the fact that they're on rookie contracts, that they don't make a ton of money like they used to relative to the, to the last CBA. If you don't have one, you go back and get another bite at the apple and you try to get it again. Well, that's important. But what is important is also how do you build your team? The draft, like a lot of cases this year, from 35 to 75, that's the real strength of the draft, and that's where you can make or break your team. Um, You find your quarterback, you got to make sure that you don't waste your quarterback's talent, which maybe, maybe not, we don't know, the Jets did with Sam Darnold. They definitely wasted Sam Darnold, Wasted him to the point where we don't even know what he is. That's the worst sin of all. If you draft a quarterback and it doesn't work out, you build a good team around him, you're still missing it. That hurts, but that's going to happen. And that's a one bad pick, and it may not even be a bad pick. It may be bad development. It may be bad health. It may be a lot of things. But when you draft a quarterback – and you draft players that don't make them better or you draft players that do make them better and then you lose them or move on from them and you got new regimes and all of a sudden you don't have anything around the quarterback, what have you done? You've not made one bad pick. You've made a series of bad picks. I mean, what have you really done? That's a problem. That's an issue. That's what I was talking about with some teams, and I want so bad for the – for Lions fans and Jets fans and teams that are really, really bad. I'm seeing some positives. we got Tony on the, that, that joins us a lot. He's a Browns fan. Ask him how much better it is now that they've started to draft pretty well in Cleveland and maybe has – they've got their quarterback. I don't know how great, but he's certainly good. And with seasoning – Time, development, stability, better personnel around them. It's a different outlook. The drafts in Cleveland, they're going to be just excited as hell picking at 26. Because Tony will tell you the Browns, they're used to picking two, one, two, five. Look how much better it is. That's what I want for all the teams that are bad is to, particularly ones that are historically bad, let's. Um, you know, you hope that they figure it out to where it's not constantly one mistake after another. So, again, not to to belabor the point, but it is it is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. They're going to be great stories. You know, I've uh, I told you about um. It, uh, yesterday was the anniversary of, gosh, I can remember 81 uh, not long ago. I mean, it w- wasn't long ago. I mentioned uh, yesterday that it was the draft that um, two years ago the Green Bay Packers missed out on Joe Montana, who the scouts wanted to draft, Bart Starr. They wanted to draft Charles Johnson, and they did draft Charles Johnson. Could have had Joe Montana in 81, two years later, the 81 draft. The Packers scouts wanted Ronnie Lott, and Bart Starr 
with the quarterback, Rich Campbell. And, um, well, Packers could have had Lott in Montana that both ended up with the Niners, ironically. Interesting uh, to see. It was also the draft that uh, Lawrence Taylor was drafted second overall. And in the second round, the Bears drafted Mike Singletary. And in the second round, the Raiders drafted Howie Long. Now, if you remember that, let me um, – something people don't know. People may remember the name of Dick Steinberg. He's passed away. He was a longtime personnel director for the Patriots, went with the Jets. Um, but he bre- – and he was with the Rams, you know, before he, he um, went to New England years ago. Um, Dick was briefly with the Saints. And – he and and left uh, after the season, um, and he wanted he loved Lawrence Taylor. Again, the Giants took so the, the Saints could have had Lawrence Taylor. They drafted George Rogers, the running back out of South Carolina, who had a good career. And the thing of not taking Lawrence Taylor was really calmed by the fact that. They drafted Ricky Jackson um, in the second round. So if you look at it, Ricky Jackson had a great career. Lawrence Taylor was different level. If you look at the two for George Rogers, Ricky Jackson, the Saints got a lot of mileage out of two of those picks. You know, um, Lawrence Taylor is still head and shoulders above generational game-changing, affected how you played offensive football, affected blocking schemes. So, But Ricky Jackson was a Hall of Fame linebacker. And George Rogers was a good power back where the run game was featured. He had a cocaine problem, or he could have been even longer. But I'm going to tell you, um, if you look at the Saints that year, Rogers was in the first round pick. Ricky Jackson was in the second second. They drafted Frank Warren out of Auburn in the third round, who had a long, great career. And that was a staple. They had Pat Swilling later, and that those great Saints teams that were probably second only to the Niners. This was the core, Ricky. Now, Rodgers was going to have a long career, but Ricky Jackson, Pat Swilling, Frank Warren, and then the USF Sam Mills, Vaughn Johnson – that was a great, great defense. That line, the dome patrol was great. But also, in the third in the third round, they drafted Hobie Brenner, who was a really good tight end for him. The USC tight end played well. And then um, in the tenth round, they drafted Hokey Gajon, the late Hokey Gajon, who's a running back at LSU, very good. And then in the fourteenth um, uh, round, they drafted Jim Wilkes, who was another defensive lineman on that great team. So it was the 81 draft of the Saints was probably one of the best. Um, so we kind of talked about some of that and some of the history of some of the great uh, the great teams on uh, the players and, you know, um, a lot of things that have taken place over the years that you go back and look and see what uh, what could have been, what could have been. Um Somebody asked me yesterday what was the worst draft ever, and I thought about it. The Cardinals draft, the St. Louis Cardinals 84 draft was was one of the – the 74 Saints draft and the 84 Cardinals draft were probably two of the worst. The Cardinals had 14 picks over 12 rounds. Only one special teams player. The eighth-round pick, Nico Noga out of Hawaii, who I remember like yesterday, he, he stayed like three years as a special teams guy. Their number one pick was Tennessee wide receiver Clyde Duncan. He was so bad that Jim Hannafin wanted to cut him during camp, but he was overruled. Um, Gene Stallings came in, and they cut him. They didn't have anything. They didn't get, I mean, over 14 picks in 12 rounds. I mean, they just nothing. Nico Noga was the best they had. That was, that was the – on a team that wasn't very good. Um, was a disaster. A uh, couple of other things. Um, Nola Jack asked, do you ever actually name other teams bidding in trade scenarios? Uh, no. Um, because 
I mean, there, there is a scenario where you can do it, but it really depends. Um, it depends on who you're dealing with. Let me back up. So if, if you're dealing with somebody and somebody wants to move up, you usually don't. You usually don't. And, and first of all, <laughs> you don't because you may be bluffing. Um, you may talk about who might be interested um, if you know the person and you're comfortable with it, you get permission, you might. But only you would name it if it's to your benefit. You really, and and it's not going to affect um, any other deal that you might make. So, no, you really wouldn't do it. Um, so, anyway, yeah, that's that's, you really don't want, you talk about, hey, we've got some calls coming up and, you know, and, and people want to move up here. You guys might be interested. You you certainly do that. It's a lot of, well, look, you, you know, you, you you don't want to spill the beans any more than you have to because sometimes when you mention the team, you kind of get a better feel for who they're coming up for. Without knowing, you kind of know. And you really don't want to, you really don't want to do that because then it certainly affects maybe the maneuverability of doing a deal with another team. Folks, uh, it has been a long process to get ready for the draft as it is every year. I want to remind everyone that we'll be doing the live draft show on part of the Chris Landry Football Network on Twitch, twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. You want to go sign up for that today. Uh, free, you can go ahead and sign up so that tonight it all begins. And we'll be on at 6.30 Central Time, 7.30 Eastern Time, 5.30 Mountain Time, 4.30 Pacific Time. I covered it all for you there. You're in Hawaii, figure it out. I lose track when I go to Hawaii. Hadn't been there since the hula ball closed. Um, We'll be there half an hour before the draft. We'll take you through it. We'll take you behind the scenes. We're going to have a little bit more freedom to kind of talk about what's going on, what might happen, react to what's happening. It'll be a little hectic. You know, obviously it's hectic for me when I'm involved just dealing with texts and DMs and whatnot. All I'm going to be doing is doing that, putting a headset on, and I'll be talking with you. I I can tell you, um, you know, I'm going to try to do my best to address your comments and questions during the draft show. I I don't know how I'll be able to do that. Uh, I I mean, so don't be offended if I can't get to them. I I may not even be able to see them because my eyes are going to have to be on messages and talking with folks and giving you the information that you're going to want anyway. Um, Tony, yes, it's going to be on Facebook. But, Tony, I would really encourage you to check out the Twitch TV. It's a better feed and a little bit safer, more secure, and it's it's easy to do. But Facebook and YouTube will be streaming as well. Twitch will get you the ability to, to, to catch everything. So I encourage you to do that anyway, Tony. But, but hey, you know, you, you, you answer is where you're listening right now, you will be able to listen to tonight and watch tonight. Um, the, we'll, we'll, we'll take you up. We'll kind of let you kind of be a part of it as I am. I, it may not be the most interactive one that I normally do just because I'm going to be providing you the information you're probably going to want anyway. So when I have time, I'll look. And, you know, if I can get to it, I get to it. I may, may look to it and I'm, something may happen. And, I mean, you know, so just understand that it'll be chaotic and it's going to be my job. One of the reasons why, and I don't know, Scott Seidenberg may join me a little bit tonight, but one of the reasons why I am going to have to be careful with it is just, you know, I'm going to maybe hooked in in my ear to a draft room or two, um, and, you know, it's going to be hard to, to communicate, so I'm going to have to have my ears and eyes focused and allow you just in there, and we'll have fun. It'll be fun. We'll take you through it. It's going to be a different look at the draft than you've seen. It's not prepackaged, you know, highlights that you've seen a million times before on players, not snap judgments on it. Um, It's going to be be 
interesting to kind of see and see where we are. So I, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope uh, hope you join us. Hope you enjoy it. Um, can't wait. So see you tonight and appreciate you joining us. And certainly we'll be back next week on um, – uh, on the Landry Football Podcast to break down all things going on, a lot of stuff to catch up outside of the draft, but we'll certainly put it all to bed for you then. Check us out at LandryFootball.com. Get all the information. What a great way to be able to read the scouting reports on the players. The other thing I'll tell you at Landry Football, I'll get done when the draft is over. I will have a pick-by-pick, team-by-team and pick-by-pick. Every pick and every undrafted free agent signing that the team signs will have it by team, an analysis of each of the picks. So as you're trying to, what do you think of this pick? If I may not be able to get to it right away, you're going to see all of that at LandryFootball.com. So appreciate you joining everybody, Tony and Woodshed King and Jig's dad and Nola Jack and Kev Belargo and LSU Talk and Jeff Parrott, Rich Coates, um, all of you great, great folks um, that have joined us. Jeff, uh, Jeff Parrott joined us. Uh, Tony uh, mentioned uh, Don Collins joining us. Emmy Wartman. I, I may be missing some of you. Don't mean to. Happy draft day. We'll see you tonight. Lots of work. Don't got to get done between now and then. Information. We'll get to it tonight. Enjoy it. See you soon.